Welcome to Women, Wine, and Leadership. It's Business Strategy Week. It's time for us to learn what it takes to grow a healthy business. And I mean what it takes inside and out. We're collecting people strategies from successful women who have done some really great things. Hopefully they'll provide a role model for everyone who gets a chance to listen to this. So grab your glass of wine, grab your friend, and join us. Kat Campbell, so great to have you on the podcast. When we met at the DECA regional thing, championship, what's it called? The contest that they have. We were both judges, uh, really ushering in the new leaders of uh, the future. And um, we were talking about our kids going to college and how... Uh, amazing it is the cost of college these days and you told me that your kids are going uh, without incurring any debt and boy that made me happy and scared at the same time I said man you've done something right and I think people need to know about it so I would love for you to tell the story a little bit about how you and your husband came about that debt-free attitude about life and obviously if you're a, a financial um, planner um, in tax preparer, you help people to manage their money well. So tell me how you got where you are and, and what founded your philosophy. Sure, I'd be happy to. Well, thanks so much for having me on the show. I, I appreciate it. Um, I, I came about this in a, in a kind of practical kind of way. We got married and started doing normal things that normal people do when they're married. Um, you know, buying cars and renting places and buying furniture. And we did a lot of the, oh, well, we'll pay for it with a card and they'll give us 90 days free and we'll pay it off in that time frame. And then one time that didn't happen. We were a day late. We got hit with all the back interest. We went, Wait a minute. This sounds like a scam. Yeah. We went, Wait, no, we signed on for this and got to a point where at, at some point we went, you know what, this is not working. Um, we're a couple thousand dollars in debt and we don't like this. It makes us not feel good at night when we sleep. And so we're going to try something else. So way back when we went out and got a loan from our credit union and paid off the debt and very diligently paid off that signature loan with the credit union and said, if we don't have the money. We're not buying it from now on. And we did that in a variety of ways. We, we went through, um, some envelopes yeah. where we would set aside the budget and say, well, we think we're going to spend this amount on food this week, this month, we'll put this in the envelope. And if I had any dollars left, that money then went into another fund or went to pay off a bill. Um, and we did that with lots of different areas that we knew we could spend more than we thought we might. Yeah. Um, you know, we rarely overpay our utility bill. I don't accidentally go give them a hundred dollars more, but I might walk into Kohl's and accidentally buy a hundred dollars more worth of clothing than I had planned on doing because, well, I have this small place in my heart for nice clothes. Yes. So, <laughs> you so yeah, so, um, that's the way we, we started personally. Um, as our lives progressed, we did a bunch of different things, um, in managing our funds and making sure that, um, we were doing that well. Um, we started by doing things like if I charged something on a credit card, I wrote it in my bank register. 
Yeah. And that way I knew I had the money when the credit card came. And because we kind of liked those points, um, we got further down our, our financial path and went, you know what? If $300 a year in points makes a big difference in our financial plan, something's wrong. Yeah. So we might not want to have to jump through all those hoops. So we kind of moved away from some of that and just went back to, you know what? Got money, we'll buy it. If we don't have money, we won't buy it. Right. And we knew we didn't want our kids to do what we did through college, which was, um, in my husband's case, serve in the military for four years to get a GI Bill that was about $400 a month um, that he saved and the U.S. Navy matched way, 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 way back before <laughs> post 9-11. Yeah. Bill, um, and working two or three jobs. Or my college experience, which was uh, having a daughter, a husband in graduate school and working three jobs while going to college. So we didn't want our kids to do that. We, we, we thought, gosh, wouldn't it have been cool to go to college and just focus on school? Yeah. So as soon as our children were born, we started saving $100 a month. Nice. And put that into savings plans, um, into mutual funds in their names. As things progressed within the finance industry, 529s came available and we started saving in 529 plans. Um, and then now that our kids are in college, we put the money into the 529 plans um, if it's not already there. And at least it takes off Colorado state taxes and yeah. it allows us to, to pay for the kids' college. And then we, we do some hacks on books. Um, we use some specific um, websites uh, to buy books and um, rent books in the case of something you're not going to keep. And there's, there's a lot of hacks out there now that, are, that weren't available when you and I were in college. Right. Um, and, and so we, we've done a lot of that with, with going through college with kids. And, and the problem now, I think, with college funding is if you do not feel that it's your responsibility as a parent, which it's not, it's a gift to your children, um, or you don't feel strongly like we did that, you know, we're going to save and this is going to be a priority saving in our household. Um, if that's not your priority, then kids can't really do it on just working all summer real hard, working during the school year and going to college because college costs have come up quite a bit yeah. unless they're living at home. Right. Um, and of course, the other big hack is do two years at the community college and then transfer into your big name school. Your diploma is going to say big name school. Nobody knows that you started at Pikes Peak Community College, Pueblo Community College, you know, Arapahoe Community College. And um, at least in Colorado, we have guaranteed transfers, which is really nice that hold that cost of college down. And that can cut your college costs in about half. Yeah, true. Yeah, and believe me, uh, we unsuccessfully uh, announced that to our first two kids. The third one's actually considering it, but she's still holding out for a good four-year scholarship. So it's a good thing to aspire to. Yeah, another thing that we did um, that, that I've seen other parents use successfully also um, was because it was our desire to pay for their college, we incentivized them to get scholarships by saying, if you get a scholarship, we'll give you half in cash. Oh, I've always, I always offer 10% in cash. You're nicer than I am. Yeah, um, it's still half to me. So, uh -huh. you know, then they could have more spending money at school. Um, right. But our kids were also taught at a very young age. Um, what budgeting was, what taxes were. We taxed their, their um, allowances. Um, 
and, and did things for the family on that taxes because, well, that's what taxes are for. Yeah. We build roads in our, in the Campbell household, our taxes, our family taxes on allowance went to usually ice cream. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, we've got $5 in taxes. What are we going to do with it? You can't really buy a board game or something like that. Oh, let's go for ice cream. Okay, that works. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, these days, my kids are on to the fact that we go for ice cream and we spend five times as much as we would spend if we just go and buy ice cream at the store and come home. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, those, those teaching children to handle money gets done in those incremental ways. Um, when your kids are little and they're shopping in the grocery store and you're telling them, you know, grab that why am I grabbing this one versus that one over here? Well, it's because of unit price. Both of my children, when they got to college and had roommates and went shopping, um, both of them had instances where the kid, their roommates were picking up very expensive items. They're going, wait, 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 wait. That costs like three times as much. And they're like, no, 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 it's $1.55. And they're like, yeah, but if we buy one size bigger, we pay less per ounce. <laughs> so, <laughs> they are given an education to their friends. Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the schools do not teach this. No, no. Um, they don't teach that uh, you've got a debit card does not necessarily mean that you've got money in that bank account. And if you wrote a check or you charged something, you bought something online that hasn't cleared, you still don't have that money in your account. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? How many teens have really messed up their accounts by saying, but I looked online and I have this much money, but they're not keeping a record. <laughs> but there, yeah, there's no record out there. And so what we taught our children was to have one bank account that all of your necessities get auto drafted from, mm -hmm. have the other account where you move your spending money into whether that be your savings account or another checking account, and then stay out of that main account where all of your auto drafts are going to come from and just have your spending account. And then if you look at it and you go, well, I've got $14 left. Sure. Go have your McDonald's. Yeah. Oh, not McDonald's. Well, we're not going to talk about nutrition here. Yeah. Um, so is it a myth that it's, uh, there's a greater risk or security risk to do transactions through your debit card than through a credit card? Um, yes and no. So if you're running debit and you're using a pin on that debit card, it is like using an ATM. If you're, which means that anybody who has your pin number can use that debit card and pin and get money. Got it. Um, if, if you're running that debit card as a visa or a MasterCard as it's branded and not putting a pin in, you are running on the visa system. Okay. All the same protections. Now, the big difference is if my account gets hacked on a Visa credit account and they go spend $5,000, well, that's Visa's money. I haven't paid a bill. Mm -hmm. If they hack my debit card account and they go spend $5,000, that's my $5,000 that came out of my account. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest difference. As far as security, the security is the same. It's the risk of losing money if somebody were to hack it. And it you can- not as covered by the bank. It is covered by the bank. The first $50, after the first $50, once you, um, once you report it. But the problem is if they've stolen $5,000 out of your bank account, it's still, gone. Yeah. The bank will give it back to you, but you don't have the use of it in the, you know, in the, in the, 15 minutes or however long it takes you to, you know, they can wipe out your bank account. 
right. when they're wiping out your credit line, you don't care because it's not your money anyway. It never was. Right. Right. Yeah. And so it, it's not a bigger risk. It's just that you lose real money until you get it back. You'll still get it back. Yeah. Um, and you can minimize that. I know for us personally, when we travel, especially if we're leaving the United States, we use a separate debit card that is not linked to any other bank accounts except for that one bank account. Okay. And that, and that minimizes those risks. Now, our, uh, the podcast here is talking about strategies for women to live on purpose. So I'm going to go two different routes. Um, I'm going to ask you more about why you started your business. Sure. But I also want to, um, to ask you, has, has it been um, a sense of freedom to really have a, a coherence in your financial plan? Have you noticed a difference or has it been so long that this is just the way that you operate? Um, you know, I, I still remember when. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so having your finances on purpose and knowing um, if the car breaks, it is a car problem. It is not a car problem and a money problem. Mm -hmm. it, it gives you a sense of well-being in that I know that if the car breaks and I, I've got my emergency fund, it's a car problem. Yeah, it's still going to break my day cruddy. It's still going to be a pain in the butt to, to get it all fixed and all of that. But it's just, a, it's just a car problem. I've got the money to fix it. Before we had good, solid financials um, in our household, like much like most other people, um, the car broke and then you were scrambling, where do I find that $500, that $1,000 to fix that vehicle? Right. Um, and, you know, it's real easy to sit here and say, well, if you just put away $20 a month and set that aside, you'll have the money when the car breaks. Most people don't follow their plans. And most people think of budgeting as a rear view. They look at what happened and they go, okay, here's our budget. This is what we spent. And that's not what a budget is. A budget is a plan for how we're going to spend the money. Right. And so if you plan, I'm going to put $20 away every month so that in 16 months I have $380, I can buy new tires. Yeah. It's a lot more easy. You know, it's, it's easier. It's a little bite size, but you got to put the money away and then you have to label it. You have to name your money. Yeah. So that when you look at the bank account and it's got $7,000 in there, that's not, Oh wow, I'm going on vacation. Unless that's $7,000 of vacation funds. Exactly. That could actually be a, that's a thousand dollars for my car. That's two thousand dollars for replacing furniture. You know, putting a name on that money. Yeah, my eldest daughter just bought a car, and she kind of had a moment of pause when I said, "You need to set money aside now for new tires and for your annual registration." And I started listing all the things that you need to save for. How much is an oil change? And she's like, "Oh, well, good. At least an oil change isn't as much as I thought it was." <laughs> <laughs> You know, she, she, you know, saved the money and thought hard about the car, but then didn't think about all of the maintenance costs that she All the maintenance costs issues, right. Yeah. And, and for some people, depending on where you live, it doesn't make sense to own a car. It's you know, true. You in New York City, no reason to own a car. No, it's so expensive to have to store a car. I remember living in San Francisco, just parking was ridiculous. Right. There was a guy who would um, illegally park. It was cheaper for him to pay the parking ticket than it is for him to rent a garage space. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's very sad. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I think this is really, really rich information. And, um, I, I wanted to, to do this at the beginning of the year. I'm, I'm running it in January so that people can walk into the new year with a plan, um, to sure. take back control of their finances. It's never too late. Um, even with the smallest amount of cash, you can still take it back. Oh and, yeah. And, and I think the biggest shift I think, um, for people needs to be a mind shift and it's not, um, that you're limiting things. You're basically, you need to switch your spending from things that don't give you much joy to things that give you more joy. Yeah. So if, if going out, like for me, going out and buying new clothes, that's a joyful experience. I enjoy yeah. it. I enjoy pretty things. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's a fun thing to do. So for me to be able to plan to have hundred dollars a week, hundred dollars a month, hundred dollars a year to go do that. And then I go out and do it. We all agreed that that hundred dollars was for clothes. So when I come home, we don't have a fight. Yeah. We don't have an issue. Right. I did exactly what we all talked about. Yeah. And, and, and agreeing with your spouse is, is really big. And if you don't think you agree, you need to have those, those conversations that allow you to dream together again, just like when you were married at the beginning. You know, we, we get married and we have all these big dreams, and then we get into it, we've got kids and, and everything, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just sludging from day to day. And, and you need to get back to, look, at some point the kids are gonna leave and we kind of don't wanna be the statistic. Yeah. We want to stay together. We kind of liked each other. We'll like each other again. You know, we want to keep this going. And so you need to start talking about what that's going to look like and how are we going to get there? And right. we have tweaked our budget every couple of years because we have A, B, and C budgets. We have A budgets. Everybody's employed. Everything's good. We have a B budget. Hey, somebody lost a job. We're in a not so good situation. These are the things we're still going to maintain. And this is all the stuff that's we're cutting out. And then we have kind of our retirement budget. Yeah. This is what it should look like to retire. Well, if I don't have that retirement budget set up, I don't know what my retirement number is. Right. Right. And, and as we've progressed and, and as, as you move through this, you may find yourself like we did saying things like, well, if we're retired, we probably want to have like a thousand dollars a month to travel so that we can go on a nice trip. Yeah. But originally it was, no, we just, you know, we're okay. We're going to be retired. We're going to putz around the house. Well, our, our values have changed. Yeah. And, and so going back and revisiting those and having that dream session again, for lack of a better word, um, with your partner is really, really important. Absolutely. And you're actually thinking of retiring soon now, aren't you? I, I am. I am. I'm really transitioning out. I, um, I started doing lots of things as volunteer. Um, I coached people on money on a volunteer basis. Um, I, my degree, undergraduate degrees in, in, in finance. And then I moved into doing it for a living. And yeah. that was lots of fun. Um, thankfully, I didn't have to feed my family on it because it doesn't pay to feed your family on it. But yeah. it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. But the more I got into it, the more I learned that taxes were really an issue. And so I, I became an enrolled agent, grew my business. Um, I now have a, a thriving tax practice that I just recently mer merged with another company um, so that I'm scaling back from that day in and day out um, being tied to a tax season. Right. And I'm, I'm shifting more into um, the areas that my skills, my skill set actually lie, which is in the consulting and in the tax resolution side. And so 
we've now, I'm now shifting again from doing taxes um, on a day in and day out basis through tax filing season, plus representation work where, you know, keeping people out of jail for tax evasion, things like that. Yeah. Um, and, and coaching people on finances from doing all three of that to just doing the coaching people on finances and representation work. And, and it is kind of a semi-retirement, absolutely, because now I can really pick and choose those projects. Yeah, yeah, scaling back. Yeah. Well, neat. Well, um, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you because they like your philosophy and they want help in that area, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Um, you can find me on the web at towerfinancialpartners.com mm -hmm. or you can give me a call at 720-772-8824. Okay. Or you can text me there also. Um, it is a Denver number, but I do practice in Colorado Springs, but I do also have a Denver office. Um, so I'm pretty much everywhere. And we do lots of stuff virtually. Um, nice. So we're able to, to help out. And I've got, we've got more ideas and um, more different ways of, of managing money. So if you've tried to do it, say Dave Ramsey's way, or you've tried to do it with Crown Financial Ministries, or, or any other system and it hasn't really worked, we can help you get over that by figuring out what's not working. Yeah, that's and great. And get you connected back to the money. More specialized focus, I love that. Yeah, people get hung up on little things like, I, I ain't gonna give up my, my coffee or whatever it is. I love that you- You don't have to give up your coffee, not a big deal. This is a trade. You want coffee, that's fine. We just need to get it in the budget. Yeah, just need to trade. That's good. I, I have seen line items and budgets from everything from single malt scotch to fly fishing. Absolutely. <laughs> it needs to go on the budget. Absolutely. My yoga classes too. Absolutely. Yep. And well, the, the most fun thing that goes in my budget is wine. Um, you know, this podcast was created after the coaching program and the executive women's retreats that I run where we use wine as a metaphor for describing the noble qualities of a leader. And so we always end every podcast with um, your favorite wine. So what wine do you have in your budget? Um, right now, the wine, um, the red wine I'm drinking the most of right now is pretty much still the prisoner, which uh -huh. is a pretty hefty yes. um, bottle of wine. Um, but on a, on a, Oh, I'm going to have dinner with my husband night. We're, uh, we're drinking Apothic Red or Menage a Trois, $7, $8 bottle of wine. Yeah. Um, but uh, we, we like a lot of different wines. So Yeah. You like, well, I just got a, a, a good Ironstone Petite Syrah today. You should try that sometime. It's nice. nice. It's bold. You'll like it. It's bold. Yeah. I'm, I'm into that big, bold, jammy. Yep jammy thing. So bold and jammy. Well, go to my wine palace on Pinterest and you'll find lots of bold jammy wines. That's what oh, I love. good. <laughs> well, thanks so much for spending time here, Kat. Sure. Um, thank I, you for having me. I hope that your example helps somebody create a new strategy for 2020 to just take back their finances. And I know I, I've been on that plan myself. So appreciate you giving us this uh, window into your financial management. I love the, the services that you provide too. I hope that uh, you get a call. Thank you. I appreciate it. Sounds good. Have a fantastic Christmas. Take care. Okay. You too. Thanks, Donna. Bye-bye. Uh -huh. Bye.
two loveliest sounds in the world are the sounds of a cork popping and the sound of a wine bottle pouring. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Women, Wine, and Leadership. If you're craving a little bit more information, make sure to go to 360lifestrategies.com and check on the podcast link for more information on each episode. You can also catch some conversation at the 360 Life Strategies page on Facebook. You can see what it looks like to live a life fully balanced and um, in harmony with people on the Instagram page at Donna Carlson 360. You can always check us out on LinkedIn and Facebook in the Women, Wine, and Leadership groups because we're there where you can just start a conversation with women just like you on the topics that we've discussed so that you can hopefully get some alignment and a little mentoring for your own life. Join us there and let us know what you think. Please rate this podcast. Until next time.